Acts 8. We've been working our way through the book of Acts the last number of months, and we've come to chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. It's a real powerful story here of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and how Jesus reaches him with, with the good news of the gospel. Remember the promise that Jesus gave, or the instruction that he gave, Acts 1 verse 8, that the gospel would start in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. That was always God's heart, right from the beginning, not just from the beginning of, of the New Testament, right from the beginning of time, that was his heart, the gospel for the nations. We're not going to take time to, to, to read the story, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to retell the story to you um, in, in, in my own words and help you to grasp what, what is going on here. An Ethiopian appears in the story of Acts as God has, as, is, is fulfilling this promise that I've mentioned to the ends of the earth. God has a love for uh, Africans. Isn't that right? He has a love for Africans. And here we find an individual who's an Ethiopian enter the fray here in the book of Acts as God unfolds his, his, his mighty purposes and, and plans. Philip, this servant of God, remember he was one of the chosen ones in Acts 6 when God was on the lookout for servants who would serve the Greek-speaking widows. Philip was one of those chosen individuals who had a heart to serve, and God could see that in him. And he was selected, along with Stephen and a group of others, to serve the church. Then in Acts 8, we see that he, after the scattering of the church, the church is persecuted and the people are scattered all around the surrounding regions, and the gospel continues to push out beyond Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria as God unfolds his purposes and plans. The geographical aspects of Acts 1 are completed. And we see this beautiful heart in Philip. Um, he had a heart to serve, he had a heart to obey. And one of his one of his great characteristics is his teachable spirit and his willingness to say yes and his willingness to see God in every circumstance and his willingness to go wherever God wanted him to go. If that, if that meant staying, Philip was willing to stay. If it meant going, he was willing to go. And I was thinking about this during the week. You know, it, at times we, we, we often f focus on how difficult at times it is to go and to step out. Thinking particularly of the story of Peter, the well-known story when Jesus called him out of, out of the boat. And Peter had to take that step out of the boat. He had to take that step of faith, if you like. And we often focus on that challenge of at times we need to step out when God calls us, and that is true. But something else I've been focusing on during the week is this. Sometimes it's equally as difficult to stay in the boat when God wants us to stay. 
If God wants us to stay in a particular place that's difficult and hard and has its challenges, at times it takes as much faith to stay as it does to step out. It's all about what the, what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Philip was someone who was in tune with the Spirit of God, always willing to listen and ready to obey. He was just walking in these rhythms with God day by day and step with the Spirit, understanding what it means not to run ahead of God, not to lag behind Him, but to walk in step with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is a great leader and a great teacher. And he loves to lead people. And he loves to teach people. And he loves to reveal his plans to people. But what he wants from us, as we've already been focusing on today, is a heart, a heart of surrender that is just supple, like the clay that the Scripture talks about in the book of Jeremiah, the potter in the clay, that we are that clay in the potter's hands. And we just long for him to mold us and shape us in the way that he wants us to be. That was Philip, and that is the Holy Spirit. And what I want us to see from this story of the Ethiopian eunuch and how Philip is called away from Samaria, and an angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him to go to the road um, that's leading from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he gives him that instruction, and Philip with his willing heart, says, yes, and he goes. And then he encounters this, this bizarre situation with an Ethiopian eunuch on a chariot. And the Lord instructs Philip to get up onto the chariot beside the Ethiopian man. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. He has this scroll, and he's reading from Isaiah 53. And Philip gets up beside him and helps him to understand what Isaiah means, because the Ethiopian was a little bit confused as to whether or not the prophet was speaking of himself, that is Isaiah, or whether he was speaking of someone still to come. And Philip explains that this was about Jesus, the Messiah who had already come. And the Ethiopian believes, stops the chariot, they get out of the chariot, Philip, Philip baptizes them, the Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing, and Philip is transported supernaturally from that road to a place called Azotus, about 34 miles away from Gaza, where the Scripture says that Philip and the eunuch were at that particular time. An incredible story of the lengths that God will go to to reach one person, one person. But I want to leave with you some thoughts from this section of Scripture on following God's guidance and the ways that God guides that we, we learn about here in, in Acts 8. The first thing I want you to notice is that at times God guides in unusual ways. Sometimes the guidance of God comes to us in very unusual ways. And we see them here in, in this section of Scripture. In verse 26, as I've already mentioned, we see that an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and gave him instruction to go to this particular location 
on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, it's not something that happens every day, but it's something that can happen and something that still can happen here in our day and age. The Scripture says that angels are still surrounding the people of God. We can't see them, but they're carrying out the work of God. They're there to protect us. They're there to guide us. They're there to provide for us. An innumerable number of angelic beings who are fulfilling the will of God. Then in verse 29, it's not an angel of the Lord speaking to Philip. It's the Holy Spirit himself speaks to Philip. First of all, an angel of the Lord, then the Spirit of the Lord. And of course, we know that the Holy Spirit is still active and alive and in us, and one of His purposes is to speak to us and to give us guidance. Yes, even specific guidance, like Philip received here, he was told to go to a very specific location, a specific part of the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and there he was to meet one individual. And the Spirit of God, I believe, wants to continue to speak to us in that way and to reveal the purposes and plans of God to us in that way. The Holy Spirit speaks to Philip specifically. Then in verse 39, that I mentioned when I was retelling the story, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away to this place called Azotus. Now this is even, you think an angel of the Lord appearing to someone's a bit unusual. This is a, a very rare occurrence in Scripture where someone is actually transported, literally physically transported, physically from one place to another place about 34 miles away. This is the work of God in the book of Acts. This is the Bible that we're thinking about today. This is Acts chapter 8. These are unusual ways in which God can speak, lead, and guide. And what I want to leave with you from this particular principle today is this, is be open. Be open to the ways that God wants to lead you. Nothing to be afraid of when it comes to God and the way He wants to lead and wants to speak and wants to guide. We want everything that God has for us. And whatever way He chooses to speak to us, whatever way He chooses to guide us, we are open for that. That's, that's, that's the disposition of heart that God wants us to have. To say, Lord, if you want to speak to me through a prophetic word, if you want to speak to me through a dream, just like you did many, many times to people in Scripture, if you want to speak to me through someone else, Lord, if you want to bring me an angelic visitation, I'm open to that. Just bear in mind that God guides at times in very unusual ways. We find it in Scripture. And it's something that we shouldn't be surprised at even in our own lives. Though, when we sense maybe God, we think it's God guiding us in an unusual way, we, we always need to test those things. Check it out with someone else, maybe an older Christian, maybe a friend of yours, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21, do not quench the spirit, 
Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So there's that testing process that goes on when we're seeking to discern the guidance of God. Is this God or is it not God? Because we're always conscious that at times we can get it wrong. At times we might feel, well, that was God. And then as we go through our lives a little bit more, weeks, months go by, and we begin to think, well, was it God? And sometimes when we live in, you know, the best thing is to live in connection and friendship and fellowship with one another and work these things out. And always remember that when we do receive these, this unusual guidance from God, let, let, let's take even some of you, I know, are growing in it and learning about it. Let's even take when someone does give you a prophetic word. They give you something that comes from their heart that they believe God is saying to you, and they share that with you. That just the understanding that prophecy is, is a signpost, not, not a destination. So when you receive a word like that from a person who believes that God is speaking through them to you to understand that this is God's way of getting you moving in the right direction, it doesn't mean it's the end of the story. It doesn't mean it's taking you to your final destination. It's, it's just getting you moving in the right direction. And as the saying goes, it's easier to steer a car that's moving. And that's the purpose of prophecy, to get us moving again, to get us hoping again, to get us believing again, to get us enthusiastic again, to get us believing that what God has spoken over our lives that he can fulfill. These are the unusual ways that God can guide us at times. And something that when we're making decisions and we're making choices and we're seeking direction, something that we should always seek to avoid is we should seek to avoid rash decisions. Especially in times like this when we're feeling disorientated or, you know, with all the changes going on around us, maybe in our family lives, in our personal lives, maybe in our jobs. At times we can make rash decisions, decisions that aren't thought through, decisions where we haven't reasoned things through or taking time to pray things through and talk things through and allow our emotions to settle. At times we can make rash decisions. I felt the Lord prompting me about that during the week as I was studying this passage of Scripture. Tell the people to be careful about making rash decisions, changes and choices that you'll go on to regret in months to come because it's a rash decision. And we must also understand that when God guides in these unusual ways, that his guidance will never contradict Scripture. That's what it means to test all things. We test it against Scripture. Because God is not going to lead us or command us to do something that is contrary to his revealed will in the Bible. It's a great safety net. And it's one of the first questions we should ask. Is this guidance that I'm receiving through these supernatural means, does it contradict Scripture or does it line up with Scripture? Because Scripture is God's prominent way of revealing His heart, mind, and will 
to us. So the second principle is that we should be soaking ourselves in Scripture. It was through the Scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch gets his guidance from God. When Philip meets him, as he's on his way back to um, the, the official courts of Candace, the Ethiopian queen, he holds a very high position there. He's treasurer there. He's a prominent figure, but there's something going on in his life where he's been to, he's been to Jerusalem to celebrate one of the great feasts and he's on his way back and he's trying to process and he's trying to figure out and he's in Isaiah 53 and Philip jumps up alongside him and begins to explain to him that this is all about Jesus and the Ethiopian gets his understanding and his guidance through scripture and these are days when we as the people of God need to be saturating ourselves in the word of God Something I found so helpful recently with everything that's going on and I haven't watched the news in quite a few weeks because I just find it steals my joy and I just find it's all negativity. What about putting the audio Bible on, picking a book of the Bible and putting an audio and just allow your mind to be washed with the scriptures? Why not lie on the top of your bed or in your favorite place at home, your couch, wherever it might be for you, and just lie and allow the Scriptures just to wash over you. Just put the Bible on audio and just allow the Word of God to cleanse your mind, to guide you, to settle your emotions, to give you direction. We need to be a people who soak ourselves in Scripture. So we're not to be the type of people who are out there like seeking always these unusual ways that God's guides these supernatural experiences at the expense of the Bible. We need both. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And the more we're rooted in the Bible and the more we know the Word of God, that's why I was encouraged to hear that the young people are launching into the, the book of Philippians because it, it's so important just to be rooted in the Bible and to be people who know the Word. Old Testament, New Testament, overarching view of God's big biblical narrative, the unfolding of the, the purposes and promises of God in the Old Testament and how they're pointing to Jesus and understanding the, the four gospel accounts in the book of Acts, the development of the early church and Paul's letters and his instructions to how we should live and pointing to the, the book of the Revelation and the end of time and how it all points to Jesus. We need to be a people of the Word and I was so glad that in my early days as a young Christian that I was taught to do that and taught to memorize Scripture and taught to read through the Bible and taught to soak myself in the Word. And that's so important. If we want to receive God's guidance, we need to soak ourselves in Scripture. Then I want us to understand as a principle of God's guidance that God often guides in stages. He guides in stages. God doesn't give us the full picture all at once. He often gives us one picture, one piece of the jigsaw at a time. That's what he does here with Philip. He says to Philip, I want you to leave Samaria and I want you to go to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he doesn't tell him anything else. That's all he told him. And the scripture says, that the road was a desert place. I figure that one out. Philip is caught up in a mighty revival 
in Samaria, seeing people saved, healed, delivered, seeing people delivered from demons, seeing people set free, all there in the scriptures. And God says to him, now I want you to leave this scenario and I want you to go to the desert. Tells him nothing else. I mean, I could see Philip taking out his iPad with his iPad pen and listing 10 reasons why this isn't a good idea. And it's not until he obeys that particular command that God gives him, and he gets to the place where this Ethiopian eunuch is on his chariot, that God gives him the next piece of information. He says, get up onto the chariot and begin to show this man Jesus. And that's the way God works. If you walk in the light that you have, you get more light. If you don't walk in the light that you have, it's most likely that you won't get more light and you won't get more guidance because God expects us to steward what he has given us and to obey him. And obedience is crucial to unlocking the purposes and plans of God for our lives. Why does God only give us one piece of the jigsaw at a time? Well, that's one reason, because he wants to see whether we're willing to obey. Do you know what the other reason is? If he gave us the whole picture, we couldn't handle it. If God showed you 10 years of your life all in one go, your knees would go like jelly. You couldn't cope. And God knows who we are, so he just shows us a little bit at a time, and a little bit at a time, and a little bit at a time. Another piece of the jigsaw, another piece of the jigsaw, another piece of the jigsaw, and then we begin to see something of God's big picture for us as time goes on. God often guides in stages. And then the final principle that I've already touched on a little bit, that is that God's guidance may not initially make sense. Okay? So when you sense God speaking to you and leading you and guiding you in a particular way, your job is not to try and make sense of what God's saying. Your job is to obey. That's what Philip did. He left Samaria and he went on his way in obedience. There's many times in Scripture when we find God giving people commands and they don't make sense initially. I think of the story at the beginning of John's Gospel. At the wedding at Cana, when the people ran out of wine, and Jesus instructs the servants to fill the pots up to the very brim with water. Now, what is it they're in need of? It's not water. It's wine. And can you, I can imagine them scratching their heads saying, did he hear us right? That it's actually wine we need, not water. But they obey, and when they obey, then the water is turned into wine. They understood later. What about the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the five loaves and the two fish? When Jesus says, I want you to feed the multitude. With five loaves and two fish, how is that possible? That doesn't make sense. 
And then God multiplies the food and makes provision for the crowd. What about the disciples after they had fished all night and caught nothing? And Jesus arrives in the scene and says to them, now I want you to do something. I want you to cast the net on the right side of the boat. Notice how specific the command is. I want you to cast the net on the right side of the boat. These are professional fishermen. They know everything there is to know about fishing. And they say, we don't fully understand, but nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. And they let down the net and they pull up a haul of fish, which they can't contain. Can you see them pulling it up into the boat? You see, this is, this is the walk of faith. This is the life of obedience. This is the way of progress in the kingdom. One step at a time, giving our yes to Jesus, even when we don't understand. These are some principles from Acts chapter 8 on how the Lord gives us guidance in these days.